Amen. If you didn't receive Mark Barclays, Julie printed up on nice paper here, um, I predict, for 2018. If you'd like a really nice colored copy of that, I keep one on my desk and, and look at it frequently. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. And uh, let me just share a couple things here before we get started. So you, you understand something. Um, Billy Graham did go home to be with the Lord. And uh, I want you to, to realize the church is in transition right now. And uh, when you go through a transition, it's real easy to worry. It's real easy to fret. It's real easy to try to make something happen by the flesh. You understand what I'm saying? And that's not God's way. Wisdom's paths are paths of pleasantness and peace. Now, we can try to make things happen, and, and all, it'll, all it'll end up being is a work of the flesh. And so we want to make sure that individually as Christians, you know, we stay in the Word. This is the foundation. You got to stay in church. You need the local church. You need the shepherd. Amen? You need to come in into church prepared. This, this building isn't the church. We're the church. Say, I'm the church. Say, I'm the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. And everybody has something to offer. So when you come into the church, you've got to be prepared, you know, ready to receive and ready to give. Give of your, your, your devotion and your praise and thanksgiving to God. It's not about, you know, an individual. It's about the body. That's what you need to understand. We need each other. Everyone is important to the body of Christ. But we're in a transition. And, and when you're going through that, sometimes you just have a hard time figuring out what's God going to do, where are we going to do it, how are we going to do it. Well, you, you can't, you got to get out of the mind and you need to let, be led by the Spirit of God. Now, I've told you, I started last year telling you that there, there was going to be a move, and even Barclay talked about it, the, the, the evangelist was going to be, you know, more on the forefront in the days ahead. The church has to be evangelistic-minded. It's all about winning the lost. Bottom line. It's about people receiving Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior than growing up spiritually. So we as a church, we really need to focus on reaching people, all kinds of people, all different cultures, all different backgrounds. God loves people. God loves the sinner. And so we as a church need to pro provide opportunities for God to reach people. And as we do that, we need to get along. 
We need to work together. Now, I'm not saying we don't, but I'm just telling you in the head, in the days ahead, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the lost, winning the lost. And so this Easter, and this is going to be a little out of, you know, character for us. This isn't how we've done it, but we're having a guest speaker. We're having an evangelist. She's, I don't know, she's probably 70 one, two years, I don't know. She's got to be in her early 70s. And uh, she's an evangelist. And so on Easter weekend, you you got you to gotta get this. Now I want you to, you know, I don't want you to forget about your family and your functions, but you got to get this ham in the oven out of your head, this Martha mentality, and begin to think, what would Mary do? She'd worship at the feet of Jesus, not be moved by distractions. So this coming Easter here at Harvest Church, beginning on on Good Friday, on Friday night, and then probably sometime during Saturday we'll have a workshop, and then Sunday will be an Easter service, you need to gear up. This is one time you need to... You need to, you know, relatives invite you over. You say, well, yeah, I'd love to come over, but you can come to church with me first, then we'll go eat. So I want you to begin to think about your friends, your family, your neighbors, people that you have relationship with that you can invite. You know, we'll do it via Facebook. There'll be ways that we can do it for that generation. We'll have cards you can hand out to people. But that's what it's about. See? So just think about that, reflect about it, pray about it, say, Father, use me to reach people. And, and then we'll have an opportunity to cast the net. Now, I'm not saying, you know, she's going to come, and usually a, there's a healing gift that accompanies the office of the evangelist. And so if you know somebody that's sick in body, invite them to church. Say, we're, we're going to pray for the sick. So, so you get where I'm coming from. Amen. So that's important. So we've been talking about this series um, on back to the basics on the importance of the local church. And we want to learn principles that will promote growth and promote God's blessings in your life, in your family, and in the church. Now, let me ask you something. Help me out because I am not too sharp as far as as technology. I really don't care about it. I got a flip phone, and you know about that. And you can say, well, you need to get get that. No, I don't. Don't tell me what I need to do. I'll get the flip phone. I'm happy. Name me some some technology today that that's all out on the that's in, in in the news. Everybody's talking about technology. What do we have today, technology speaking? Twitter account. So, <laughs> that's scary. Self-driving cars. All right. Facebook. Internet. Tablets, right? Now, you go to a lot of these churches, the preachers will have a tablet, and we have guest speakers. And there's, there's, that's fine if that's your thing. It's just not my thing. What else we got in technology? How about, you know, we have screens and TVs, projectors, amen? 
And the thing is, you know, what, what, what we got to be careful about, and I, I was worshiping God, but things were coming to me today. We're, the church is so performance-oriented. That we come and, boy, we got to have elaborate worship and we have to have, you know, a drummer over here and we got to have singers here and this and that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we're so, we want to perform. And we've got to get to the point where there's less Mike and more of Jesus, less Abe and more of Jesus, less Brad and more of Jesus. Everyone said amen to that. We've got to get out of the performance mode. Amen? Did the early church have all that stuff? No, we don't want to go back to the early church, but we're talking about, my goal is to give you some characteristics of the early church. They didn't have tablets, iPhones, Bluetooth. Keys always comes. He was big on that for a while, and I'd always just to bug him. I'd say, you got that green tooth now we got? He'd just look at me and shake his head. The church didn't have that. But what did the early church have? They had relationship with God that was pure. They had fellowship with each other that was real. And as a result, God stamped He had a stamp of approval on the early church, and there were signs and wonders and miracles. Now, you can leave here today and say, our preacher, you don't want to come to our church because he's against technology. I'm not against it, but I'm against technology becoming a distraction to you and then forgetting about just bottom line. It's relationship. It's talking to God. It's talking to people and looking them in the eye and asking them how they're doing. Instead of this, instead of this, all the time. You might not like it, but you're getting it. The early church, you know, they had purpose. What was their purpose? To win the lost. Get people filled with the Spirit of God. See them healed. Miracles, signs, and wonders. They were focused. See, the church today isn't focused enough. We've got to to get tunnel vision when it comes to winning the lost. It's got to be the point when you wander around. You know, we've been watching security. He ordered a security um, DVD by Tim Kennedy. It's really good. And he talks about being aware in your situation, situa- situational awareness. In other words, when you're out around looking around, you know, where's the exit at? How are we going to get out of here? How are we going to take care of our family and protect them? Being aware. But so you need to be aware this way. I wonder if that person's born again. That person looks sad. Maybe they need somebody to, yeah, wake him up. I'm going to stand here. He's got broad shoulders. He can handle it. But you need to be aware of people. Wherever you go, at school and at work, 
I wonder, I wonder if they, they need some help. I wonder today if I could just say something that would encourage them and that they'd have a better day. I wonder if I could pray for them. It's being aware of the co-workers you work with. And some of them might be horses patoots. I don't know. Aren't you glad I didn't say horses asses? <laughs> but ultimately, God loves them. And he wants to reach them. And how's he going to do it? Through you. You're you're not going to reach the people I reach. I run with a rough crowd. You've got a crowd that you you run with. But you've got to get this mindset and get your eyes off yourself. That's why the church was so successful. And they experienced supernatural growth and increase because they were being the church. The mission of the church is this, number one, to evangelize the world. Say evangelize the world. It should be a foundation of truth. Say foundation of truth. Number three, it should edify the saints. Say edify the saints. And I won't give you the fourth one because you're not going to like it. To discipline the unruly. Let's say that just for, you know, discipline the unruly. So the church is a mission. The mission of the church is to evangelize, to be a foundation of truth. So when you come through those doors, you don't need me to read from guidepost. You need me to give you the scriptures, the truth. Then it's to edify the saints. We need to build each other up, not tear each other down. And finally, we need to discipline the unruly because you're going to get people in the door that are unruly. Amen? And you could be a Christian 20 years and you could still be unruly and have a rebellious attitude. But the word, the truth will take hold of you and it will change you. That's the mission of the church. The early church was in one accord. They were of one mind and one purpose. And I really want to focus on that this year, being of one mind, being in one accord. That's why I talk to you and go over and over again about the importance of evangelism. You you might get tired of me, but I got to get it to you. You got to get it in you. You're here today to learn how to win the lost. How to, how to minister to people and touch lives. Amen? You're, learned, you're here to learn how, hey, how can I go out and be someone that will encourage somebody else? We need to be of one mind, one purpose. That's what being in one accord is. It's a harmony leading to action. Listen, a church that's full of strife, cannot be successful in reaching people. The early church was in one accord concerning prayer. They were in one place, and they heeded the word that was spoken. Now look at Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2, and look at verse 42. Uh, well, let's start with verse 40. Acts 2, verse 40, he says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this per- perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word, gladly received, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Isn't that remarkable? And they continued steadfastly. Now, this is what I want you to see. This is the main goal here. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' what? Doctrine. Or let's, that doctrine's kind of an intimidating word. Let's use the word teaching. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and what else? Fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And it says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Why did fear come upon every soul? Why were many signs and wonders done through the apostles? Because verse 42 tells us why. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And verse 44 goes on. It says, now all who believed were together, say together, and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had needed. So continuing daily, everyone say daily, with one accord, there you go, in the temple, Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. See, this this is the whole crux of the matter. This is it. This is why they were so successful. Praising God and having favor with all the people. You need favor with people? And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, this word continued steadfastly. This was an important trait of the early church, and you see this. They continued steadfastly. One translation says they steadfastly persevered. Another one says they committed themselves. I like that one. They committed themselves to doctrine or teaching. They committed themselves to fellowship. They committed themselves to breaking bread, having communion, and prayers. This word continue in the Greek means a strong, solid, never give up type of leaning toward an object. In other words, they were so committed to doing what Jesus asked them to do. They didn't give up. They persevered. They were steadfast. They leaned right into whatever they were dealing with. That's the early church. Now, let's go on, and I want you to understand, we want to talk about this word. We're looking at all these one at a time. We've talked about prayer. But I want to look at this word doctrine or teaching. 
Everyone say, we need sound, healthy doctrine or teaching. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy tra- chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is what? Profitable for doctrine or teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, for every good work. Message Bible says it this way, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way through the Word we are to put together, through the Word we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. I want to read to you His description of doctrine, Greek scholar Rick Renner, he says, Paul wrote that the Bible is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. And he said the word profitable in the Greek includes the idea of something that is needful or obligatory, like a debt that is owed. It can be translated as the word indebted, and it refers to something that is mandatory, essential, or an absolute requirement. By using this word, Paul was telling us that God's word is not optional in our lives. It is mandatory. It is essential and an absolute requirement for us. Did you get that? Paul connected the word profitable to the word doctrine. And the word doctrine used in the New Testament New Testament denotes those things that we affirm and believe to be true. Some Christians sneer at the mention of doctrine, thinking, thinking it, is, it is to be stuffy or unimportant, but that kind of attitude reveals their ignorance re, re, regarding the importance of doctrine. Doctrine is the foundation of what we believe. What do you believe here today? You don't have to answer me. What, but ask yourself, what do you believe? It's the foundation of your life. Whatever you believe, it'll be the foundation. It impacts what we think. It affects our worldview. It determines what we believe is right and wrong. It guides us in life, determines our convictions and standards, and affects all of our actions and activities in life. In short, we are the product of our doctrine. Therefore, it is mandatory, essential, and an absolute requirement that our lives be based and built on the Bible and that we must see ourselves as indebted to it. it it's also very important to point out that the word profitable, this Greek word, was originally a word used in connection with law. Just as laws must be obeyed and we are obligated to live by them, we as believers must live our lives with the Bible as our guidebook and our law for life, obeying it absolutely to the best of our ability. If we take this approach, the power of God's Word will be released in our lives, causing us to to profit and be blessed in every realm of our existence. That's why you need good, sound doctrine, good Bible teaching. 
2 Timothy 4, 3 says, For the time's coming when people will not, all, will not tolerate sound and wholesome instruction or doctrine. It's, it's not in the future, it's now. It's here. But having ears itching for something pleasing and gratifying, they will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they had. Look at first. 1 Timothy 4. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 states, Now the Spirit expressly states or says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. What's that mean? It means people that are, are born again, that have been following the Word of God, that it's been a, you know, a, a foundation for them. But now it says they've departed from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Wise believers do not, now listen, I, this was in the, uh, the margin of my Bible, and I wrote it down. Wise believers do not allow themselves to become distracted from their devotion by extraneous arguments and legends that lead one away from Scripture. Realizing that truth is more practiced than theory, judge all teaching by what it produces, not by, how, by what it sounds like. Therefore, avoid the deception of demonically inspired teachings that sound good, but bring destruction and death in the end. I was back in the 70s, and I don't know if Micah knew about that, but there was something on TV about um, who's the one that had the followers and they all committed suicide. Jim Jones? Yeah, don't. That's why they don't drink the Kool-Aid. I bet Kool-Aid Company hated that. What were these people? They were deceived. They weren't being taught the truth. They believed the lie. Amen? To the point where they drank the Kool-Aid and died. Now, look at John 7. We'll see. I won't be going on too much longer here. John 7. This is really important. Maybe this isn't as exciting as a message that you want to hear, but folks, in the hour in which we live, we've got to make sure we're hearing sound doctrine from the Word of God. This is the acid test of true doctrine in John 7, verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but he who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Let me read it. Um, from a, I think I wrote down the Living Bible. It says, if any one of you really determines to do God's will, 
Then you will certainly know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Anyone presenting his own ideas is looking for praise for himself, but anyone seeking to honor the one who sent him is good and is a true person. The acid test, folks, of a true doctrine is this, whether or not it is scriptural. Say scriptural. True, sound, healthy doctrine is scriptural. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. The acid test of a true doctrine is whether or not it is scriptural, whether it makes men love God supremely and others as themselves. That's the second. Make sure that it it causes you and I to love who? God and then others as ourselves. And finally, whether it glorifies God and produces peace among men. Three, those three simple things right there will tell you if doctrine, if the teaching is sound and healthy. And all I, I wrote, wrote down here in my notes, all I could think about was Billy Graham. Sound, healthy doctrine. He stayed in his gifting. He was called to be an evangelist. And so everything, when he stepped behind the pulpit, everything focused on Jesus. Everything pointed to Jesus. Sound, healthy doctrine. Was it scriptural? Yeah, because everything he gave you was from the Bible. Did it cause people to love God and a fellow man? Sure it did. Did it glorify God or glorify Billy Graham? Glorified God. Now, I listened to Billy Graham on, you know, after he passed away and I heard him say something. He developed Parkinson's disease and he says, well, basically God gave me that. To keep me humble. Do I agree with that? Uh, But what you got to do, folks, is eat the hay and spit out the stubble. You take what's good and scriptural, and he was fine. He didn't get involved in praying for the sick, really, did he? Did you see him laying hands on the people? I grew up like we watched on TV, Billy Graham, and he was never down there. His people were never down there that I could see laying hands on people. No, not saying that that's wrong, but he just focused. He stayed, you know, very narrow-minded about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does God want to heal? Yes. Does God want to meet your needs? Yes. But he was so successful. The teachings and claims of Jesus will be accepted, now listen, by those who are intent on doing God's will. So Jesus is basically saying this. People who will do the word of God, obey the word of God, act upon the word of God, are going to recognize true doctrine, healthy doctrine. It comes down to this, folks the condition of your heart. You love God. You're teachable. You want His will. You want His kingdom to be manifested. 
Those kind of people are good hearts that receive the word, the seed of God's word, and they act upon it. Jesus charged the Jews with failure to keep the law. Why? They were not doing the will of God. Oh, they were very legalistic. Amen? But when fellow man was in problem or in trouble and, and in hurting, they, didn't, they were very hypocritical, and Jesus called them on the carpet. Jesus explained that the teaching belonged to the one who'd sent him. Tracing it directly to God instead of acknowledging his debt to some human teacher. And see, what happened was the scribes, they would, what happened? Every generation, the, 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 the scribes, they were taught by man. Jesus is saying, I wasn't taught by man. What you're hearing from me is true revelation from God who is the source. Anyone who had the moral aim of pleasing God or doing his will would be able to determine whether Jesus' teaching was independent or was a faithful reproduction of the divine. He would, you or I would be able to detect that Jesus was not seeking his own glory, but that of the one who sent him. And that's what's so important. If you, as a people, as a member of the body of Christ, if you see somebody behind the, behind the pulpit promoting himself, promoting his own needs and wants and desires and not pointing to Jesus, then you better not be listening to him. Anyone, a minister, anyone that seeks his own glory, you better run from. But anyone who's preaching the gospel, that it, it points to Jesus. It centers on Christ. It gives glory to God alone. That person is sound. That person is real. True doctrine is scriptural. It makes men love God and others. It glorifies God and produces peace. And finally, it is authoritative and it's powerful. You know what got the attention of Jesus? As he taught what happened, there was God would witness everything Jesus said with miracle signs and wonders. The early church, the apostles, they preached the word of God. Everything pointed to Christ, and then there were signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm not going to go on. I had some other stuff here. But I want you to see that. You've got to make sure what you're listening to is sound. It's, it's teaching inspired by the Spirit of God. It's from the word of God. I quit watching evangelists and guests or ministers on TV years ago because when it all was done and everything was said and, you know, it all came down, I need some of this. And, yeah, you need to support the local church. But a true minister of, of God on television would say this, send your tithe to the local church that you belong to. But most of them didn't. 
didn't mention that. Send it to me. They're not the church. We're the church. Now, you can send an offering, can't you? There's nothing wrong with that. But let's be real about it. Let's tell people the truth. We're not here to build your kingdom. We're here to build God's kingdom. Amen. Let's stand our feet today. Maybe this teaching isn't in the kind you swing from the chandeliers or roll on the floor. But boy, is it necessary. You need to reflect. You need to ask yourself, who are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? Does it, does it glorify Jesus? Is it sound teaching? Father, today I spoke your word. I thank you, Lord, that your people's ears are open to hear the truth, and the truth will set them free. I thank you, Lord, in the days ahead, in these last days in which we live, they'll not be deceived by the enemy. They'll not be distracted by unhealthy doctrine or teaching. But they've learned what sound doctrine consists of through the words of Jesus. So thank you, Lord, the people at Harvest Church hear the voice of the Good Shepherd daily and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Father, I thank you. for sound doctrine in the days ahead, healthy teaching. And thank you, Lord, your people are not just hearers of it, but they're doers of it. And, Father, I thank you the people of Harvest Church this year do the work of an evangelist. I thank you, Lord, the people of Harvest Church are concerned about the role of the man and the woman I thank you, Father God, for for all that you've committed us to do and accomplish this year at Harvest Church. We love you, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading and guiding us in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone here today, you need prayer for your physical body. Are you all healthy? Amen. Well, look at your neighbor and say, you really needed to hear that. No itching, no itching ears here at Harvest Church. Amen. Anything else I need to remember? Prayer Wednesday night.